Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm once again joined by Hail to the District's Patrick Rice to, fortunately or unfortunately, talk about the Washington Redskins. Since we didn't do a post-mortem or post-game podcast, I should say, after the Redskins lost last weekend to the wretched, cursed, godforsaken Dallas Cowboys, for reasons that we'll talk about momentarily, we thought to do a quick post-mortem of that game uh, now and look ahead to the upcoming game against the Chicago Bears on Monday night. So, Patrick, I don't want to spend a ton of time rehashing Sunday's loss because there are literally few things in the world I hate more than losing to the Dallas Cowboys. And plus, since most people already passed it or blocked it out of their heads entirely, um, very quickly, what were some of your thoughts coming out of that game on Sunday? Um, it sucked, for lack of a better way to describe it. it. It really sucked. I mean, I don't think there's much more to talk about on that. You know, I think after the first game, we, we said the offense is better than we thought they were, and the defense probably is not quite as good as we thought they were. Uh, my attitude has changed now to, like, I think we just might be bad. Um, you know, I I know the Cowboys and Eagles are arguably two of the best teams will play all year, but when you go touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and, you know, it's first and 20, and Norman's 30 yards, it's obviously an exaggeration, off the receiver, and we're giving up 15-yard plays like it's nothing. Like, I think our defense just sucks, and it sucks because there is a lot of talent on that defense, and I won't be told otherwise, but – I, I have moved into the fire Gruden uh, world because I just, I, I think he's trying to get fired. Minuski's awful. And, you know, I'm tired of it. And those are my, I did. I, and, you know, it's dude, look, the dude can scheme an offense with the best of them, but mm-hmm. you know, at this point it's like, we're kicking a dead horse. It's, you know, I, the defense just sucks. And we've been saying that under Gruden for six years now and I'm tired of it. So the game sucked. That's my that's that's my opening argument. <laughs> so true story. I had a family gathering on Sunday, and I was beyond pissed off about attending said family gathering, on account mostly of the fact that I get sixteen to seventeen given the playoffs as well. Good weeks of football 16. to watch. Good weeks of football every single year, and I hold those days really really sacred. But I got to tell you, having not watched the Redskins game, I basically had. I demanded that my cousins kept red zone on in the back corner and I would kind of go back and forth during the course of the day and not watching the Redskins up close, lose to the Cowboys was so emotionally healthy for me. Like I was in such a better place at the end of Sunday, walking into the office on Monday morning, having not subjected myself to that agony, at least until, until I remembered how much of a tire fire my fantasy football team is. And it's another conversation for another day, but like, I was in such a good place having not watched that entire situation. Um, I unfortunately subjected myself to the gluttony. I watched it again on the, the condensed version on YouTube. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like the old Yogi Berra, man. It's deja fucking boo all over again. Like the Redskins scored first again, they lost again. Um, just like last week, they, they look great or the for week one, rather they look great in the first quarter and then they proceeded to shit the bed. It was literally almost exactly what they did in the Eagles game. Like for the first 20 minutes of the game, 20 minutes of game time, they played really well. And the last 40 minutes got absolutely obliterated. It was like literally it's almost to a T that the Cowboys outscored us 31 to seven before we went up and scored some garbage time points to make us look better. I, I mean, what's the old saying fool me to once shame on you fool me twice shame on me. Like, at this point, to your to what you're saying, I've been 
I've been fooled like 15 years in a row. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, we are what we are. Like, this is this is what Gruden is. This is what this team is. I mean, we just we walked into that game knowing we're going to get our ass kicked. We got teased again. I think you were the one that made the metaphor. It's like, it's like what's her, the girl from Peanuts pulling the football out from Charlie Brown once again, over and over and over again. Sucks. Yeah, we we have uh, we had opposite viewing experiences. My uh, my brother-in-law got married this past weekend. So uh, when I was watching the game, I was on my computer in the back of a basically family brunch with all of my in-laws from cousins to like brothers and the whole thing. And I excused myself uh, about halftime. And my uh, my wife's uncle was like, is it that bad? And I was like, yeah, I, I can't be in this room <laughs> with all of you right now. Um, so put it this way. You're lucky you didn't really get to watch. I wouldn't have watched the condensed game because all you would have seen was Dak Prescott sit, sit there, pat the ball five times, and then throw it downfield as a guy runs by Josh Norman for the 15th time. Um, you know, it's, it's so stupid. It's like, I mean, I, I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. I was looking at it earlier today, but we have some absurd stat where like more than half of the opponent's drives have ended in the touchdown or a field goal. Um, like that's, that's like Miami Dolphins bad. Um, and we were supposed to be good defensively. You alluded uh, to it after the first 20 minutes of the game, exactly like I said, against the Eagles, it was the Cowboys had six game, uh, six drives rather after the first 20 minutes of the game. And the Cowboys scored on scored everyone. They scored on five of the six. The one, but the only one was the end of the game, like the very end of the game where they kneeled down the, on the ball. That's the only one they didn't score on. So you're to, to your point, they scored on every one of them. And four of the so five down. were touchdowns. It was, I think it was touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, or something that it was, most of them were touchdowns. It was, uh, I was listening to the NBC sports Washington podcast with JP Finley and those guys. And they were joking about Great it. Great podcast. They were, they were list They were literally like, all right, so is this touchdown drive by Dallas going to go 60 yards and nine plays, or is it going to go 70 yards and 10 plays? Like they were assuming the touchdown was going to happen at the end of it. And this is supposedly by our quote unquote, using Jay, Jay Gruden's words, special defense. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I, you know, you, you know, you're, so I, I'm a, I'm a believer that our defense actually has real talent, whether it does or not, you know, who knows, but like, I think Allen's good. Payne's good. Um, Kerrigan is good when he has people like that controlling the line of scrimmage and letting him do his thing. Um, you know, Norman is not terrible. He's not great, but he's not terrible. Um, you know, Collins is decent. I think Nicholson's decent. Like there's pieces to, to have there. Coleman's been like godsend. Um, but if I have to hear one more goddamn fucking time that the call wasn't relating correctly, or there's a miscommunication between the secondary and the linebackers or whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm so tired of it. I I don't get this agitated about the Redskins very often, at least not on camera. Uh, And I am like extraordinarily over it because I think if we actually had someone in there that knows what the fuck they're doing, we'd be okay. Uh, And I'm like, if I have to watch Dunbar go down with cramps and not play it one more time or Monroe or whoever the goddamn quarterbacks are today. Um, just, just take a bunch of guys off the street that want to play. I'm just like, it's, I'm over it. That's why I moved into the fire grooming camp because we, the needle hasn't moved in six years. 
I get that the Cowboys have a new offensive coordinator. I get that their scheme is better. I get that they probably could be a good offense by the end of the year. But you just can't let Zach, Dak Prescott walk in and do whatever the hell he wanted to do. I mean, do whatever he wanted. Outside the first quarter and a half, he, he literally, I mean, he might as well have been Tom Brady circa 2007. Three touchdown passes for him. Zeke had 100 and a touchdown, which was a given. Four different players caught four, at least four passes uh, from on the Cowboys. I mean, fucking Devin Smith, who's a scrap heap guy, literally probably didn't even realize he was on the roster. And he roasts Norman. I mean, it's a joke. Like, week after week, we've been saying this for years. I mean, since probably Mike Shanahan was the coach, or probably even since Zorn. Hell, maybe even Gibbs this, the second time around. We are the get-right team. Horny for Zorny. Team. We, are the, we are the get-right. Like, if you got a guy who's slumping, you got a guy in baseball terms who's hitting below the Mendoza line, just play the Redskins, man. We're, we're Dr. Fix-It. Hey, like, you, you, you. We're, we'll make everything better for you. Yeah, the uh, I was reading the article I was thinking about was from the Post um, this morning when talking about the third down stats, and I just pulled it up. So uh, – in week one against Wentz, he dropped back 41 times. We pressured him 11. Uh, and then Dak was even worse. He dropped back 33 times, and we pressured him six times but only hit him three times. Uh, like, I don't care if you're um, – I was about to say Minshew, but he's kind of slinging it right now. I don't care if you're Josh Johnson back there. Like, you're going to have a field day if you can just sit in the pocket and throw to whomever you want. Um I mean, I, the best piece of content I've seen since the, since the Redskins game is uh, is uh, Barstool Nate to have a video saying, you know what, fuck you, Josh Norman. And he references how he gets beat by Jason Witten, who runs a 5-5. You know why I got beat? Because can, Prescott can stand there and just throw it to whoever he wants. It's, you know, it's, oh, man. I didn't think we'd go too far into Dallas, but, like, it's bad. It's real bad. So – kind of capitalizing on that anger we have. And I think every Redskins fan feels this way. I think it's a combination, maybe 10% exasperation and 90% just you want to, you literally want to choke somebody out or punch somebody out or do something. But I kind of want to take a quick segue because, okay, we're 0-2. We're dropping F-bombs like they're going out of style, rightfully so. But I've always said that Twitter and to a lesser extent Instagram just because – I'll, ne- I'll never, I'll never read Instagram comments because I think they're even worse. And YouTube comments are the worst, on top or the worst. But Twitter's a god awful place if you really, really look at it. Like it's a haven for some real yeah. horrible shit. And I think Redskins really fans, is. present company excluded, I hope for the most part. While we're all pissed off, I think in certain cases, like we're not making the situation any better. Uh, I think it's, you want to look at it one of two ways. It's either, you know, the phrase, this is why we can't have nice things. If you watch the way Redskins fans behave on social media in reaction to this team and the way they're going about all of this is exactly why we can't have nice things. I think another way to look at it is I know football players have been linked to the effects of CTE, but I don't know how Redskins fans are actually somehow themselves taking on this CTE because we're just acting like a bunch of fucking morons as a result of this. Like, so First of all, Darius Geis went down. Let's let's talk about this, right? Okay, Darius Geis was a little banged up at LSU. He missed all of last year on a freak ACL tear. Any player can tear their ACL. 
Then this year he goes down with uh, the torn meniscus. He's out for eight weeks. I think he's on the IR designated to return. Last year, Darius Geis was like social media superstar number one. And all of a sudden, Redskins fans are turning on him and like literally lashing out against him and like calling him injury prone and saying we should cut him and he's a bum and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how fucking bipolar are we? Like, are, are you kidding? Like, if you're pissed off at Minuski, as you should be, that's one thing. If you're pissed off at Gruden, that's one thing. But don't go attacking a man because he's got injuries. Like, are you serious? This is a guy who's 22, 23 years old, maybe. We might need him for the next 10 years or whatever. And this is how we're behaving? Like, are are you serious? What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, I think it's – yeah, I agree. I, I also think it's it's starting to become – the fan base is now so splintered because of Snyder – and what's going on. I think the frustrations and Twitter is, it's a toxic place. Like I'm on Twitter all the time. I, I, hell I work in social media. I literally live and breathe it. It's a toxic, it can be great, but it's in sports pretty toxic. Oh, yeah. I work with a lot of sports teams and their digital teams like pull up the worst comments every day and laugh at them basically. Um, but like, I also think because of the only rallying cry any of us really have is the hashtag fire Bruce Allen uh, and players like Geis, for instance, and th- this is totally my opinion, but like he comes from a proud LSU program who wins all the time. And, you know, even when they lose, people get on them, but that happens what, once, twice a year. Uh, when Les Miles decides to run like 70 times and throw it twice and they lose the Bama. Um, my, my point is, is these guys don't lose a lot. So like they're, they're held in like such a high regard that, they, they can interact with people. They, they can interact with their fan base because their fan base generally loves them. I think for the Redskins, we all hate so many things now, like from Snyder to Bruce to – I love Jay. I really do, but he's got to go. Um, you know, to Musky all the way down to, like, just these players getting hurt. It, it creates staff. this, like – yeah, tr- oh, God, to the training staff. It creates this, like, boiling hot pot of hatred, and people take it out on players on – social media to the point where like, if I were, if I played sports at that level, I would never even look at social media, um, let alone, you know, reply to anybody. But I just think it's the, the losing for all this time has, has made people so angry. It's like an angry mob that hides behind a little screen. It really uh, is. They, they probably got dark. They probably got dark mode on. They think <laughs> they're cool. Uh, and you know, they, they attack the players and it's, it sucks. It's annoying. But like, I think it's kind of a, name of the game these days and, and unfortunately I think for our fan base we all hate the team so much that people are attacking players now which is obviously crossing the line but like if you keep losing this is gonna happen uh, at least in today's world at least at least we're not like in Miami or something good lord I, well, in Miami, I just, frankly speaking, I don't think they care. I always say that if you count how many real Miami sports fans exist, you would, you can use two hands with fingers left over. Um, yeah. Take a look at a Miami Heat game since, Le, since LeBron left, and you know how many real Miami sports fans there are. Um, but getting back to the Redskins. People hating, people hating Case Keenum, though, is like, why? Like, he's not our problem at all. So that's the other thing, right? Everyone is like, we need to start Haskins. I'm like, okay, listen. I'm pro Haskins. We're both pro Haskins, but at this, at, uh, if you want to make a laundry list or a sequential list of all the problems the Redskins have, Case Keenum is not near the top seven or eight. Like he's not. Uh, I mean, he's, has, has he's Keenum bottom, missed shots? Half of it. 
has he has he missed a couple of big throws? Sure, there were plays that were wide open. You know, he had the big bomb to McLaurin that he overthrew. He had the I think it was the opening play against the Dallas game. He missed McLaurin again. Like oh. I can only imagine what McLaurin's stats would be. Throw it like wide. Just throw it wide. If he actually did connect on those, but again. Going back to the Redskins fans thing, we were demanding that the team wins games, but we're then asking to, the team to play a rookie quarterback who, by all accounts, is not quite ready yet. Like, I, I it, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I just, I don't, I don't get it. We're just throwing shit against the wall, and I got more on that in a second. And then, you know, Haskins didn't make the situation any better because I think he, he tweeted this cryptic sheesh after Daniel Jones got named the starter, and people interpreted like he was, you know. Uh-huh. He was reacting to the, you know, Daniel Jones being named the starter, but he has to wait. It's a really different situation. I mean, Eli Manning's quarterbacking skills degraded to the point where, like, I could have been the Giants starter and there would have been no difference in that offense, right? They needed to do that. Otherwise, literally, the offensive players might have quit their jobs. We're not there. That's not what's taking place with us. But, like, everyone's like, oh, we're going to start Haskins now, and the front office is – I mean, the, the coaching staff is hindering us by not playing Haskins. Of all the shit that's going on, it's, it's, not, it's not Case Keenum's fault. And then taking it one step further, then the fans – because we've gotten beaten up for two decades of the Redskins being the fantasy football team and not understanding how the salary cap works. But the minute one big name comes onto the free agent market, we are frothing ourselves up to go get it, right? Like Minka Fitzpatrick, right? Minka Fitzpatrick, okay, I get it. I loved Minka Fitzpatrick. Made him clear many times. Wife's Alabama alumni. We watch way too many Alabama games for my liking. He was excellent. I think he's in a piss-poor situation. I think you put him in the right situation, he's going to be a beast, right? But, okay, there's the Alabama connection for us, but they're all getting frothed up. And, like, we got to get Minka Fitzpatrick, even though we've already traded away future assets for Montes, Montes Sweat, but fine. You can understand that. You can make an argument that that would have been a good, a good, a good acquisition. But Jalen Ramsey, have you seen how many Redskins fans are like, we should trade for Jalen Ramsey? Again, of all the problems we have, you think trading a boatload of assets and then signing Jalen Ramsey to a mega deal is going to solve our problems? Like, do you really think that's the logical course of action here? I don't know. That you bring in that type of person in the Redskins Park probably go real, real well. We've seen that. We've seen that win every single time. Exactly, um, Albert Hainsworth. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was, I am pro. I mean, I guess it can't happen anymore. But I would have traded for Fitzpatrick in a heartbeat. Um, I, you know, I think he would have fit fit what we're doing. He's a Bama guy. May as well just rebuild the whole Bama defense at this point. You could do um, worse. You could do worse. Uh, well, you can <laughs> uh, statistically right now probably not. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the Ramsey thing's overblown. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he could definitely help us. We, it's a major position of need for us. But to your point, like, we're 0-2. We, we basically suck. And we're going to have a new head coach next year. Like, that's, that is going to happen. And it's a foregone that, could happen as soon as, that could happen as soon as we five, for all mm-hmm. we know. And which I'll get to in a second because I have a theory. I have a, I have a hot take for that one. Um, Looking forward or to it's it. probably it's probably a it's probably a lukewarm take, but I'm gonna it's call it. Warm that. enough, yeah. Um, the but like why why trade your first round pick when we don't even have a second round pick for a guy that's gonna blow up in the media in like two seconds? Also, if you're a Redskins fan at all, you know we play zone and he wants to play man to man. It wouldn't exactly. work. Do you really trust the fact 
so Jalen Ramsey is not happy with the scheme he's playing. Do you really trust that we want to bring him here and put him in Greg Minuski's scheme? Do you have any idea that Greg, uh, any belief that Greg Minuski is going to put this guy in a situation to succeed? Fuck, in three years ago, we held Josh Norman hostage in Redskins Park. We signed him to an outrageous deal, and we literally signed him to put him in a scheme where he doesn't fit. We did not play him in the scheme where he played in Carolina in 2015, where he succeeded and became an all-pro. It's not a thing where Josh Norman wasn't really that good. I mean, yeah, he might have been a little overrated based off a of one-year sample, but we're playing him out of position. He's another guy where he's more of a cover-two guy. He's more of a get-your-hands-on uh, player. And you want to, to play long and try to chase guys who are, who are, you know, who are a lot faster and more athletic than him in many cases? I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Works out. That sounds like it'll work. Right. And, and, you, and you think everything is going to be peachy keen with Greg fucking Minuski? Like, come on. Really? Like, no. What you, what you need is a man-to-man quarterback playing in a zone scheme that rushes three people every fucking down and then just sits there and waits till that receiver finds the hole. That sounds like a perfect, perfect way to keep a hothead happy. Um, you could have Rod Woodson of, and, and Deion remember, Sanders you, in their – go ahead. So, do you remember the uh, uh, the Madden play in Gage 8? No. Do you remember that? It's like the only defense play I remember. Um, it's like it's, it was a 4-3 base, and basically you blitzed the house. Nusky's never played Madden, clearly, because that's no. not in our playbook. I used to just to cover two man. I'd have my corners run man and then have two safeties oh. over the top. And do I, was bringing, I was bringing the house every time. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't work out very well. My favorite was about going back to the Redskins fans. My favorite, John Kime, he quoted someone's tweet. It was really hilarious in, in, in delivery. He was basically like, somebody quoted, he goes, so um, if we draft Tua, if we're in the position to draft Tua Tag of Iloa, do you think the Redskins are going to dump Dwayne Haskins again? And John Kime tweeted, we're only in week two, pointing to the, like, this is how Redskins fans are behaving. Like we're talking Thank about dumping it. Dwayne Haskins already. There are some numb nuts out there talking about this, pulling IEA, what, what they did with uh, Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray in Arizona. And we're already talking about tanking for two and dumping Haskins. Like this is the state of fucking Redskins idiocy. Like this is where we are right now. Yeah, it's, it's the loony bin. Um, I'm very excited for Haskins. I hope we don't tank for Tua. Uh, in fact, I hope we're so bad we do get that pick, but – the Dolphins are desperate because they trash Rosen's career, poor guy, and they trade everything because they have like 16 picks now uh, to move up to to get it. That won't happen because we'll have the first pick because they're that bad. But some team will want to say, here's like three first round picks, two this year, one next year, RG three style, and we trade that pick and we continue to build that team rather than trade for Ramsey, thinking this one player is going to solve our problem, which is the reason we suck in the first place because Dan thinks. One player will solve our problems, and year after year, we suck. We haven't won fucking 11 games since 1991. Like, we are bad. And we think we're one like, player away people just need to by trade for Jalen Ramsey. People just need to accept it. I do think I, our defense would be good with a, with a competent coordinator, by the way. But we don't have a competent coordinator, so it doesn't matter. And let's be very clear here. I love Jalen Ramsey. You can go back and search on the Hill to the District archives. I've been on that that on that guy's bandwagon since day one. Load him at Florida. No, he's State. the best cornerback in baseball. Or baseball. I'm watching baseball. Best cornerback in football. 
in 2016, before the draft started, and everybody had Laramie Tunsil as the number one unanimous prospect, everyone said Joey Bosa is going to be amazing. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were the quarterbacks in that draft. I had Ramsey on my big board as number one. Thought he was amazing at Florida State. Thought he was going to be an amazing pro. And I was shitting my pants at the idea that the Cowboys would potentially draft him. I am very happy with the fact that they drafted Zeke. I don't care about him. I don't care if he's a great running back. That's not going to last. He's a hot. He's a knucklehead. Don't really care about any of that. And so I'm I as a player. I love Ramsey. As a headache, I don't want any part of him. I am more than happy to let him be someone else's problem. And I'm happy for him if we give up a seventh-round pick for him. And going back to your Josh Rosen thing, I have quietly become a Josh Poor Rosen guy. apologist, and I don't even know how. I've never seen an NFL player. I've watched football for way too long. We're going on three decades now. I've never seen the player get a shaft from the day he walked into the NFL, like Josh Rosen has, I don't think I can't think of yeah, a single player drafted drafted by the worst team, kicked to the curb for Kyle Murray, and then now he's on maybe arguably the worst team of all time. Not only did he get drafted by the by a team that has no idea what they were doing, they basically they tried like hell to trade up for another guy, Josh Allen. They missed. They're like, fuck, we'll just take this guy, even though they were not even emotionally sold on that guy. Like, we'll just take him because we need a quarterback. We can't continue this charade anymore. They paired him with one of the worst offensive coordinators the last five years in Mike McCoy, nearly ruined him. And then after that, they, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Cliff Kingsbury went and chased Kyler Murray, and they dumped him. I still say we could. I still don't know why the Dolphins traded a second-round pick for him if they are tanking on purpose. I still don't quite understand that. Uh, I actually was like very rental. pro. I was very pro trading for Rosen because of his contract. Um, I was like, screw it. If he sucks for three years, at least we're paying him nothing and we can just accrue draft picks. Um, but I was pumped for asking though. We moved on, but I was, I will say on record, I was pro trading for Rosen uh, and his career is going to suck. So sorry, guy. It's, it's, I've never seen anything like it, man. That guy's gotten the shaft incredibly, and I hope it works out for him. I hope he goes, and after he gets dumped by Miami at the end of this year, I hope he goes and, uh, and, and New England signs him, and he can caddy for Tom Brady because that's what the guy deserves. So, anyway. All right. So let's talk bitch, about the Bears. I was going to say, we bitch and range it long enough about other shit. So let's move on to the Bears games on Monday night. Um, I think the simple fact is, is that Chicago's offense – or Chicago fans are to their offense what we are to our defense. So I think in many cases, this is going to be – well, this is going to be a litmus test for our offense as well, like how good they are against their defense. But I think the big storyline in this game is like who's going to suck more and who's going to hate their team more in terms of whether our offense is going – I mean, our defense, excuse me, is going to continue to shit the bed or a Chicago's offense led by the god, god, god-awful Mitch Trubisky if they're actually going to be able to do anything. And if, if Mitch Trubisky moves the ball up and down or the Chicago Bears offense moves the ball up and down the Redskins defense, I, there's going to be a legitimate like picket mob in front of Greg Minuski's house, and rightfully so. Yeah, no, I think this is, this is a very critical game. It sounds weird because it's the third week of everybody in Ashford. Uh, I mean everybody. Um, think about the difference. Think about – let's – for Case Keenum, think about how important this game is for him. We go one and two with the Daniel Jones-led Giants coming up in week four with a chance to get back to 500. He's keeping his job for a little while longer and, you know, potentially at least making it through the first eight, ten weeks of the season, right? He keeps that job if we win. If we lose and we're 0-3 and you think Redskins Twitter's bad now. Oh, yeah. Like, it's going to be bad. 
everyone's going to be calling for Haskins, especially after the Giants just benched uh, Daniel Jones, because, like, that would be the story. Haskins versus Jones week four, right? Not only that, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you got to see this in the condensed game, but there's a few times where the camera zoned in on Alex Smith and Dan Snyder sitting together, and Snyder looks so pissed. It was week two. Like, we start 0-3, and remember when Jason Reed used to tweet out, like, I think that's his name, uh, like, the snake is out or whatever the fucking stupid shtick was that I hated. Like, he's going to be pissed, and there's going to be leaks coming out of Redskins Park left and right. Um, that's why this game is so important. And if our defense can't stop Mitch Trubisky, then, like, you may as well fire, because, like, one of the things I was reading uh, – Speaking of J.P. Finley, one of the things he said on the radio the other day was, um, like, one of the reasons Gruden is so hesitant to fire Minuski is he likes the fact that he knows Minuski's not going to take over as head coach, so it provides a little bit of comfort for him. But he also knows that if he fires Minuski, Tom Sula will probably leave. Yep. Uh, which, which, which is very important because he might be the only good coach we have. I'm over Callahan, by the way, although he's part of my lukewarm take. Um, so like Finley's talking about this and, and to me, it's like, if we're zero and three, who gives a fuck? Just fire him. Like yeah. we're not good. We're, we're not getting any better. If that means we lose Tom Sula, so be it. Like guys, we're not getting any better anytime soon, which like, if that happens, we're zero and three, I guarantee you if we start on three, we go and we just lay an egg in New York. I bet you the players don't even get off the bus. We're zero and four. Then the Patriots come to town. We get absolutely smoked. Gruden gets fired. You bring in Callahan. He becomes head coach. This is my this is my take. I'm, I'm all in on this. Callahan becomes head coach. This is the Cleveland Browns part deux for this year. Callahan becomes head coach. O'Connell becomes the official offensive coordinator. None of this like Callahan has the run game. He has the passing game. Gruden calls the plays. Yeah, it's so stupid. He gets full, you know, full offensive controls. Give the defense like Horton or somebody, and you just kind of stumble through the season and fire everyone with the idea that O'Connell is, is becoming the head coach similar to what happened in, in Cleveland. Um, I just wanted to tangent there. I'm like, I'm very excited about this. Um, but I think they'll go straight to O'Connell. That's my only, that's my only rebuttal to your, I think this, yeah, well, this game like leads the whole thing to me. If we win, Everyone's quiet for a week. It sets up a chance for Keenum to go into New York and win. We're two and two. Everyone knows we're going to lose to the Patriots. But then we have the Dolphins right after that. We're three and three after six weeks. Like that's a possibility. But if we lose, I like. I think everyone's done. And we, we like that Dolphins Redskins games for the first pick. Like that's what I think. I didn't even think about the sliding doors two different scenario outcome, but that's actually a hundred percent accurate. Like there is absolutely a world that we're three and three after six weeks, which would be absolutely unfathomable to think about minutes after the Cowboys. Game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cause we're not tanking hard enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> Seven and nine. Here we come. You know, it's funny you say that because like you could, if you were going to be a burgundy and gold apologist, you could say that, all right, you know, the Redskins played two teams that could be really good offenses, or we could look at them and say, Hey, those are really good offenses. I think John, John Kime made that on this comment on his podcast and saying, you know, okay, at the end of the year, we could look back and say, well, the Cowboys and Eagles had really good offenses. So the fact that we shit the bed against both of them is 
tolerable or somewhat excusable, somewhat acceptable. Right. Um, But Chicago getting back to Chicago, Chicago is exactly the opposite. And I think that's why this is just such a, you know, as you said, a swinging gate. It's a huge game. game. It's a huge game. Because I think on one hand, I, I think the simple thing is Matt Nagy, I think is a really creative coach but sometimes he's one of those coaches. Norv used to do this way, way back in the day, where he gets creatively Norv. cute. I think he just he outthinks himself sometimes, right? Like he, if you watch some of his plays, they're really intelligent. They're really smart. There's a lot of ingenuity. But then sometimes he does some really dumbass shit, like the way he's been misusing Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery this year. He's been handing the football to Mike Davis, who they signed in the free agency, who is like the, another textbook, just a guy. I mean, he is such a jag. It's not even funny, right? Like David Montgomery is so far away and better. So is Tariq Cohen. And yet they're just keeping hammering Mike Davis into the line of scrimmage. They're actually phasing Tariq Cohen out of the offense in certain cases. Like it just doesn't make any sense for the shit he's doing. Um, so, you know, the way he looks at things, I've always railed against the old guard of coaches who kind of do the same thing over and over. And Nagy's a little bit of the new guard. Like, he has it fresh ways. But, like, at the end of the day, they don't know who they are. And I think that really comes down to Mitch Trubisky. Um, my favorite stat was Pro Football Focus ranked Mitch Trubisky 32 out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks this season so far. Um, and my other favorite comment about that is Kirk Cousins was actually 34 out of 34. So putting that out there. It's, I can't I mean, believe that was pro Kirk. What a terrible take. He's looked so bad in Minnesota. I thought the first year, like, <laughs> so I, I, like the, I thought so the bad. first year was like one of those everything can go wrong, has going wrong type of years. And I thought, all right, they'll kind of get their shit together. Another season there, they'll reduce the workload on Kirk. He'll be fine. No, he's not fine. He's, he's been really terrible over there. It's amazing. If it wasn't for Dalvin Cook and the shit that he's doing, they would be God, God, God awful. Um, so credit to our front office. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. Don't, don't, yeah, that, don't, that, don't say that. That's a bad thing. But um, the, the stats on Mitch Trubisky, I mean, the, you've heard them on, cited on other places, but they're just hilarious. Like um, some, a couple of great ones. Mitch Trubisky last week was one of eight on passes that went more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, on first down, he is averaging 59% completion percentage, which is 27th in the NFL. Uh, over the last four years, there's only been four times where a quarterback won a game despite averaging less than four and a half yards per attempt and throwing for less than 120 yards in a game. It's only happened four times in the last four years. Trubisky has two of them. One was last week. Uh, Trubisky hasn't thrown a touchdown since last year. He's only That'll thrown change. one. Yeah, well, we'll get there in a second. He's only thrown one interception. He's only thrown and it was, some people say, well, he's only thrown one interception. Like he's thrown a lot of footballs in the hands of defensive backs and they just haven't caught it yet. If we don't in in the my other favorite part, I made a comment about this in my uh, my week 1 column. I think it was week 1 week. No, it was my week 2 when I was saying that anybody when the Bears were favored by two and a half points, that was easy money. I can't believe that the game ended with two points, but it was still a good pick. Um the Packers literally came out in week one. I think it was Tremont Williams who made the comment. And he said, our game plan was to make Mitch Trubisky play quarterback because if we first quarterback. Mitch, yeah. If Mitch Trubisky played quarterback, we knew we were fine. And if Mitch Trubisky walks into FedEx field and does whatever the fuck he wants to, I don't know how much more of an indictment you need of Greg Minuski. Yeah. No, I don't know the stat um, at all, but there I was reading the other day. I've, 
how many passes he actually threw behind the line of scrimmage. It was like 70% of his passes actually didn't travel beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, something absurd. Uh, now, to that, to that effect, one of the things I worry about is for some stupid reason, we play such a soft zone that he could complete a couple passes plus 10 yards because our quarterbacks are 15 yards off the ball. That literally, I actually paused the game and looked at it. We were literally 15 yards off the ball, right? Um, which is a whole nother problem. So I actually, from a prediction perspective, think we're going to win, uh, which is a scary, scary, scary thing to think about. I think it's because do theory, like what we're one 16 in our last 17 Monday night football games in FedEx or something. Uh, I'll also be in DC. So I'm hoping there's some good juju there. Shout out to the blackguard. Anyone listening to this, please come. Um, so I'm like, hopeful we'll win. And I think we'll win. But I think we'll win just because, to your point, like the, I think their offense is really that bad. And I alluded to this earlier. Obviously, I'm, I've, like, grown into this, like, we need to fire Gruden stage. But having said that, the dude can still scheme an offense. And I think he schemes it well enough to get us at least one touchdown. I'm not even sure the Bears have given up the touchdown. Oh, they gave up two to the – uh, No, one two to the Packers. Here. Two? Yeah. Um, one of the Packers, one of the like Broncos. They, they, so that oh that ridiculous catch from Sanders yeah. uh, last week and week two that was sweet Flacco's elite um, <laughs> the so the idea is I think Rudy can scheme us into a touchdown McCorn will bust off a play or like we'll have one good drive uh, where for some reason we get some bogus call that goes our way like we'll score a touchdown I don't think even against our terrible terrible defense that their offense is good enough to to win the game. Because that's what it's going to come down to for them is their offense has to beat our defense. And I am just – because we've only seen two weeks and we've seen two great offensive lines, I think we finally get some pressure and it causes Trubisky to have a problem. Um, enough for us to win, right? Like the thought of Khalil Mack going against Morgan Moses is like slightly terrifying. Um, borderline <laughs> premeditated murder. Uh, but – you know, like that's that's bad. Also, for side note, Moses needs to shut his mouth. Really he can does. talk, but he better he needs to back it up if he's going to talk because he sucks. Don't it's be a bottom a, five right tackle and run your mouth. No, Flowers has played better than him. Yes, he has. Uh, he's actually not been. He's actually not been bad. Um, but I think I think our offense gets a touchdown. We 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 get some sort of turnover, um, and you know I. It's crazy to me. I think the reason Gruden's been so mediocre is his offense has always been good enough to overcome a few deficiencies. Uh, but the reason we've never been good is he's not a good CEO as a coach, uh, well, which is why our defense is so dumb. Um, and I think one of those, like, the reason he's always 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, this is one of those games we find a way to win. I really do. And it's weird to say that because it's Monday night, it's home, it's like everything we're terrible at coming at you hot. Um but I, I think, and I think, I think our offense gets it done. I really, really do. I, uh, I think it's all on, on Gruden is, and then O'Connell because um, the Bears' defense—you alluded to in certain cases—is is is, is really, good. really, really good. Uh, Roquan quick, Smith is who I wanted us to draft like two years ago. Or three Roquan ago. is a beast. Um, Leonard beast. Floyd always underperforming. He had two sacks in Week One. Uh, they are really happy with him in Chicago. Uh, Khalil Mack has obviously taken a lot of the he takes a lot of the focus from the opposing teams. That's kind of freed him up. They're really, really happy with the way he's played. He's kind of been able to convert all of that raw athleticism that he came into the league with and being able to use it and the quote unquote speed to 
power conversion. Um, he's played really good, well against the run. He's played really good, well against the pass this year. They're very happy with him. Um, as a whole, the big question for them is that whether losing Vic, Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator would be a thing. So far, Chuck Pagano has came in, and he's done a very brilliant thing. He didn't change anything. He's like, you guys are angry, angry animals. Go kill somebody, and I'm just going to make sure that, you know, nothing breaks, and you guys do what you do, and, you know, I'm just going to kind of, you know, make sure the ship doesn't run into an iceberg, and I, I think that's exactly what the team needed. Um, number seven in overall defensive DVOA, number five in rushing defense DVOA, which really doesn't matter since we don't fucking run the ball as it is, so who gives a shit anyway? And our offensive line couldn't run against preschoolers as it is. So what does it matter? They could be number one and it wouldn't make any difference for us. Um, their pass defense, there can be had a little bit, although Kyle Fuller, who even as a Virginia Tech guy, I think is a little overrated. Um, Eddie Jackson is not overrated, Alabama guy. So he's really all, good. all of that being said, I, I thought I, he was overrated coming out of college, but he's actually pretty good. Now nah, he would have been a first round pick, but he broke his leg. And that's, that's, that's stupid. I've always found that, to be a stupid concept where like a guy breaks his leg at the end of the year. And all of a sudden he goes from like a first round pick to a fifth round pick. Like he's going to be a fifth first round pick. Once he heals, why are you like, why are we waiting this long to take him? And that's exactly what happened with Eddie Jackson. Yeah. It was, it, it was really stupid. Um, yeah. Morgan Moses and Brandon Sheriff, if they can just stay upright and not hold people and, and, you know, Sheriff, more- Sheriff actually played pretty well last game. He, he had those two holdings, but like once he got into the groove, he was pretty good. Moses is terrible. Like, terrible there's no no way around it I mean, he's bad three years ago i used to argue with so many people that we had the, the redskins had the best pair of tackles in the nfl on trent williams and morgan moses and now look where we are you weren't you weren't the only one like he was good all of a sudden he came out and got no i i don't know if it's just because his ankles are just dead and they're like might as well just cut him off at this point yeah and just but he stumps. can't he, he yeah he can't move and people you get good pass rushers who can bend uh, and like get around them, it's, I mean, close. So like, here's a good example of this against um, Dallas, right? I don't know if you've seen the play, but um, there's a play where Richardson literally runs down the middle of the field and is more open, open than you could ever imagine. I know exactly but what you're talking about. The reason about. that ball is not thrown is whoever it is on the defensive end for, for the Eagles just goes right around Moses and there's not enough time for Keenan to stand there and make that decision. So he has to give it to, I think this is Thompson on the play. I'm going to check that. You give him, if you can push that guy wide, that's a touchdown, right? And, and Moses it happens it. every play. It happens every play. Yeah. If we're signing a guy three weeks ago that was retired playing right tackle last year for the Raiders who comes in and becomes our best tackle, you got a problem. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, you're a tech guy. I'm a UVA guy. Shout out to my who's, but like, I'm, I'm over Moses. I mean, it's, we, we've talked a lot about through the years and, and a lot today of like, you know, fool me once, you know, et cetera. The, I mean, we've been talking about this guy now for two years and he's just, he, every game, it seemingly he gets worse. And then he goes in the junkies and he's like, we don't need any five or seven yard plays. We need some of those big, big plays. Well, do your fucking job, man. Like, yeah. you want big plays, you block that guy, that's a touchdown. Yeah, Allow, let your quarterback have up to two Mississippi before he's getting his head beat in off the right side. Or he's having to adjust himself. Don't leave himself. the league and hold. It's, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, another whipping guy who uh, on the Redskins who is, I think, going to be a major uh, subplot in this game or going to have him be a part of a major subplot is 
Josh Norman, everyone's favorite Redskin, who has been, as we said, absolutely terrible. Um, and speaking of trash talk, so again on the on the John Kine podcast, he was talking to the Dallas beat reporter, and two interesting nuggets came out of that one. Uh, the ESPN beat reporter for Dallas, I think his name is Todd Archer, anyway, and he was talking about Josh Norman. He said two things. The the Dallas guy did. He's like, number one. Dallas used to kind of think about that maybe we shouldn't throw the football in Norman's way because like Norman could be good and they liked the way he was physical with Des Bryant back in the day. They walked into this game like Josh Norman's just a guy. We're going to do whatever we want to. It doesn't matter if he's who he's on. We're going to do whatever we want and throw it in his direction. We have zero fear of him. Z-E-R-O. And then secondly, Norman made that asinine comment. I think it was right right after the Eagles game or, or when it or maybe it was right before week one where he was like, they were talking about Dak and the way he looked in the, in Cowboys offense. And he, and, and Norman made that comment. He's like, well, anybody can sit in the pocket. You can just, just stand back two, there. Stand back there and read one, yeah. two, three, one and throw and throw it there. And it's actually, it's actually true. It's actually true, but don't fucking say in public, right? Just say like, he's playing well, you know, good for him. That's all you have to do. Say that, say the non-versational point, like every single athlete interview, don't go out there and challenge a division rival, especially when you know, Hey, you're not good. Right. And, this week, he's going to be going up against Ellen Robinson, who looks 100% healthy for the first time since he left Jacksonville and he tore his ACL over there, or maybe tore his ACL in Chicago. But he tore his ACL, and he looks 100% healthy. Um, Trubisky can't get in the ball because Trubisky can't throw the ball into the ocean from standing on the beach. But if he can actually do that, I think there's a good chance Robinson can be the next wide receiver who eats Norman's lunch. And then the other thing is, let's say it's not Robinson because he's still a bigger guy and Norman fares well against those guys. What happens if he gets matched up on one of the quote unquote slippery receivers that the bears have like Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller are good receivers, right? They're just fast. They can run. They're kind of like what Devin Smith did uh, or to a lesser extent, what Michael Gallup did for the Cowboys. Just a guy. Jesus. Right. Devin Smith had multiple ACL injuries and you still got smoked by him. I mean, come on, this should say a lot for you, right? Like you're, you're, you're a 14 million. But there was miscommunication. Come on, there was miscommunication. Yeah, it's always miscommunication. Always. Your miscommunication was you forgot how to cover somebody. That was your miscommunication. Here's, I, I here's had, your Josh Norman's dad from, from week two. You ready for this? Because it's going to go right into what you're talking about. This is from the post. Norman was targeted seven times and allowed five catches for 95 yards and a touchdown for a near-perfect 153.3 passer rating. And those are against – I mean, he was against everyone. That's not just, like, lined up with Alshon Jeffrey every single play or, or Cooper. It was Devin Smith. It was, you know, Gallup. All these guys that are good, but they're not – like, if you're a top-flight corner making, what, it was make $20 million a year? Like, he, that's bad. You're not lining up against Jerry, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, man. Exactly. It's your, 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 you're lined up against above-average players to, to good players like Cooper and, and Jeffrey, right? You know, the thing that I, I keep going back to with all of this is, like, you know, yes, on paper – we have the ability to limit Trubisky in the same way that he's been limited this season. We have, we should be able to do this. We have an above average defense. We have more than above average talent in many cases. We should be able to, to, to limit Chicago's offense just like they've been limited all year. But there's also a world where I could see Matt Nagy watching Greg Minuski's schemes and just cackling in his office, like a, like an evil scientist and come out, on Monday night and absolutely pants Minuski on national TV. Just pull down his pants and just smack him right across the ass. Kind of like, hope it happens. Right? It's not <laughs> a bad thing if it happens. I, I could Get see, don't forget, Trubis- Trubisky dropped five touchdowns against the Patri- Patriots last year because Nagy schemed up something that would work very well for him. Nagy's great 
at basically designing this offense where, I mean, the quarterback can almost execute it blindfold, which is blindfolded, which is good because Mitch Trubisky might as well play blindfolded. Right. And I, I absolutely, there's this awful feeling I have where like, you know, Trubisky comes in, everyone's like, Oh, remember that stupid narrative about him? Well, he threw for three fifty and four touchdowns. So I think everything's fine with him. And then he goes back to being Mitch Trubisky after this week, starting next week when they play the Vikings. And that's my fear, mostly wrapped up in the one in 16 at home on Monday night football, since the, since FedEx field was created, um, uh, wrapping paper of poop. That that's my, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the bow on top of all of them. Yeah, That's why. You know, you'll notice, you notice the set. I'll be in DC, but I'm not going to the game. You, I couldn't, you, you couldn't pay me to get a FedEx field. And that's someone who's been quite a bit. I, I just, that place sucks. Um, the, yeah, place, uh, no chance. You know, you, you know, what this, this game reminds me of, and I alluded to this earlier. It's like kind of a slippery slope. Like let's say Trubisky throws 354 tutties. <laughs> Which is such a disaster. Now, let's say it happens. You remember Shanahan's last year where just everything went wrong? Yeah. Like, everything. It was, it was like the lowest point of a skin fandom for me because, like, we were on national TV every day because Shanahan was just pushing leaks to, to Schefter, right? Oh, God, yes. Um, it, was incre- it, was, it was incredible what was Schefter, Lock and Fora, anybody that would listen. Anybody yeah. that would listen. Yeah. And, like, there were stories like, all oh, the players disrespect Robert because they're celebrating – over his, you know, press conference and all this fun stuff. Um, like, if we lose, I think that's going to start coming. I think Bruce is going to start yapping his mouth, and things are going to start popping up, and, you know, we're not going to trade Trent. He's going to come in week nine and be like, I'm not playing, but I'm here. <laughs> and it's going to be bad. So that's why I think this game is so important because it, it prevents that from happening. We have to win. I think the two lowest points in fandom of the last X number of years as a Redskins fan, let's say I think it goes back 10 years if you want to call it from this stat. So number one, do you remember it was Shanahan that year, 2013, where everything, everything that went wrong went wrong or everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, it was that December game against the Chiefs where we just got annihilated 45 to 10. The only right? game I've ever turned off. It's the only game I've ever turned off. Right? Like that was one of the worst games. I – I was, it was very similarly. I watched it the first quarter. It was like, no, I'm going to go run errands instead. Like that was my decision tree for that game. After seeing a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go run errands. I generally just walked away from football from the afternoon. That was one, or that's one A and one B would be Jim Zorn running the swinging gates as the massive fuck you to Dan Snyder. Like, I think that, that was the other low point in Redskins fan. That was Monday night, wasn't it? No, I think so. I think it was a Monday night against the Giants. I think it was a Monday night game on National Right? So those are good uh, omens right there. So bad. The, uh, the, that Chiefs game, uh, so I have a, I have a text thread of, with, with friends. We call it the Booze Hogs. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be very excited that I just referenced that. Uh, and a friend of mine, uh, Alex Kane, I, I'll never forget it. We all lived in D.C. at the time, and he texted me during the Chiefs game. I'm sad. I'm going to watch. And he like, it kind of went dead. And then all of a sudden it said Big Hero Six. <laughs> he went he went and watched For a kids a movie. Pixar movie. A kids movie rather than watch I watch the Redskins just be awful. And I remember being like, you know what, he's right. And I turned the game off. I think I ended up watching like the Raiders game or Ah, oh, oh, that was so bad. So bad. Yeah. Um No, and I remember the Jim Zorn thing. That was that was low. I don't know what the lowest point for me is. That Shanahan year oh, the lowest point for me was 
the Monday night game when well, the Monday night, ma- when the Monday night massacre is, is the is has to be the Monday night massacre is is, is I would probably the worst in Philly for it because uh, I went to school in Pennsylvania. All my friends were Eagles fans, so we all went. I was the only Redskins fan at the bar. Uh, that was a low point for me. It got the to the only- point where they just kind of like laughed at me, and we all had a good time about how bad the Redskins were. Now, the, the worst story I've ever heard around the Monday Night Massacre, and I'm going to shout out to one of my buddies. My buddy Tim, he's a big Red, diehard Redskins fan. Tim's father is a diehard Redskins fan. He went with his fiancé, who, who grew up an Eagles fan, and he, they, were, they just gotten engaged, I believe. Him and his fiancé went to the Eagles game with her, his future father-in-law, who was also a diehard Eagles fan. So he had to sit there while his fiancé and, fian- and his future father-in-law are like cheering on the Eagles. It's pissing down rain, and he stayed, I think, through halftime, maybe the third quarter, something like that, if the story goes correctly. But he's saying there were like two Eagles fans talking shit to him, effectively speaking, in the middle of the Monday Night Massacre for tickets that he presumably paid for like I genuinely cannot think of a worse situation to be in. I would have I would have called it off. I, I, I would have called it off after that evening. I've been to, I think I've been to four Monday night games at FedEx. Um, in the last and that, I think the I think one of them was the game we actually beat the Giants on uh, the miracle fumble from RG three to Josh Morgan. Somehow he caught it and we ended up scoring and, and beat the uh Giants 17-16 in that like seven game stretch when being a Redskins fan was cool. Um, I went to the it was I went to the Steelers game when AB twerked all over us. Um, that was that was bad. I went I'm, to I'm the season opener. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, the Panthers the Panthers Monday night game where all we had to win was like one of our last three games to make the playoffs and we didn't win any of them. Um, and there was one more. Oh, the Cowboys game when Deshaun Jackson fumbled the punt and then scored a touchdown, and then we lost to, like, I don't even remember who the quarterback for the Cowboys was, but, oh, it was Matt Castle. We lost to Matt Castle. Um, I don't remember. In a year, that's the same year, same year that we lost to the Panthers and didn't make the play. We didn't didn't make the playoffs because we lost to Matt Castle. Oh, I hate hate him. So, circling (laughs) back to, to Monday night, to more Monday night heartbreak, um, you know what? Some people just want to see the world burn. I'm, I, I'm, I'm predicting a loss. Good. I mean, I, I don't blame you. Uh, we're, uh, we're not favored at home against a terrible team. I so. think we're down. I think that we're six point underdogs at home. Yeah. Good. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Like that's, that's how actually, little that's we're thought of. Bet. That's actually against Mitch bet. Trubisky. Is it five and a half? Is that what the line is? Are we I, I, I heard six at some point. I'm going to check it momentarily or right What's now, that? rather. Because I'm about to, I mean, I'll bet on the skins for that. Yeah, I might throw a unit in that direction if we're if we're Oh, it's down to four. Then I it, I think the line moved. That means a lot of there's money going on in Washington's direction, which is not a good thing. No, I'm not surprised. See, I mean yeah. six points is a, a home against a terrible team. Even though we're terrible. Yeah. Basically it's toss it. That was that was a bit high. All right. So I'm predicting a loss. Um I think it's gonna be a close loss. No, you know what? Let's let's burn. I, I think Mitch Trubisky has a big game against us. I think Mitch Trubisky gets right against us. Burn and, it. And the nation, the burn national narrative down. is like Trubisky is just fine, and, uh, and 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 everything is not fine in Washington. So that's where I'm going. I think Trubisky is going to go for two seventy and three touchdowns. That's what I'm going to say. Oh man! All right, let's say that happens. Does Minisky have a job on Tuesday? No, because they're going to say that uh, they'll that they're get. That's actually a good point. No, because they're going to use the short week as an excuse. 
and and then uh, and the the Giants game will be the tight the tight walk the tight rope walk. Walk the, the plank, walk the, yeah, plank. walk the plank. Yes, yeah, right. And I think that's what it'll be. And then Minuski will buy another week if they if they win against the Giants, get killed against the Patriots, and then everyone will be like, well, it's the Patriots, so that's why everyone get killed. And then I don't know who we play after that. And then that's when everything Dolphins, right? So then they'll be like, oh, we could, we'll be just fine against the Dolphins. So no, I don't think they're going to kill Minuski. I think Gruden, to your point about oh. him being the CEO, is going to stick with him through thick and thin, even though there's no reason he should. Yeah, he. I mean. I understand the whole like pride thing. It's a dangerous thing, but like, imagine if we had Wade Phillips. You know, Wade like, uh, Wade Phillips was not high energy enough for us at the time, so we needed somebody more high energy. Joe Barry. So we hired Joe Barry. I mean, we might, if we were going, I said this a thousand times, if we were going for high energy, we might okay. as well have hired Richard fucking Simmons instead of that because that's what we who we ended up hiring in Joe Barry. Yeah, and then we then we turned down Wade again for Minuski, and uh, instead of firing him, I, I'm, I I don't know if this is true or not. This is you know Redskin hearsay, I guess. Some scuttlebug from I think it's JP Finley, but Gruden wasn't the one that brought in Todd Bowles or, or Greg Williams, so and he didn't want to fire Minuski because of it because he didn't want them sitting there waiting in the wings. That's like, dude, if you want to be a successful coach, like in this league, you have to have people around you. You have to be the CEO. You, you have to, you have to, like your lieutenants have to do their job. I mean, look at like Seattle. I say that cause I'm here, but Pete Carroll basically runs the whole ship. And then all those guys like take his scheme and make it their own and then go do it. And now they're all becoming head coaches elsewhere. Pete Carroll also has the advantage of a general manager and an ownership group and know what the fuck they're doing. John Snyder is really good. We have a bunch of, we have a bunch of really smart people run, by. Hey, we had we had we had a uh, we had their shining star McLuhan for a while. Yeah, look how we did that. We <laughs> leaked as many stories about alcoholism to the media as we could, and then pushed them out the door because that's how we roll here. Yeah, ironically, Bruce Allen's drafts have been pretty good. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm giving all the attribution to everyone else, including using J- Scott McLuhan's draft board for a couple for the year after in the uh, Duran Payne dra- the Duran Payne draft. I think that's it was. true. Yeah. All right, so you're on you're on record saying we are going to lose and lose epically. I don't think um, we lose epically, but I think we lose by double digits. Let's call it that. Let's just go watch the world burn. Jesus, man. that's that's epic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say because Jay's mo is for some odd reason getting this team to fight back every time I feel like we're about to die. And you're not um, wrong about that. I, I think I think he schemes a way to get us a win, and uh, we go into week four. Like thinking, oh, maybe we'll be 500, and maybe this podcast won't be as so many f bombs and talk about, you know, x, y, and z. But I could absolutely see a narrative where, get, where they, they get beat the, the Bears and the Giants and go into the Patriots game with some unfounded optimism. Oh man, they're gonna kill us! I, you said it. You said it best. We're gonna lose 100 to nothing, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> I really don't. It's so. Um, all right. Well, all right, man. Thank you so much if for everyone. If you guys everyone's... are in D.C., if there's anybody listening, including people in Delaware that apparently listen to our podcast, come to Blackguard on Monday night at 8 o'clock. Done. Be Make there. sure you meet up with Patrick. I'm going to be watching from the comfort of my living room with my, two, with my two-month-old crying before bed. So other than that, teach your young. 
I will. Thank you so much for listening to the Hell to the District podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. This is actually going to be posted on YouTube, so you can even follow us there because we might have more shit posted on YouTube moving on. Uh, the video version of this podcast, I should say. But make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Follow, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us some feedback. And hopefully we'll be talking about this without my, with my prediction being wrong and Patrick's prediction being right next week after the Bears game. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.